hello, hello, and welcome back to the SLP Corner podcast. This week, we are joined with Becca Murphy. She is a CFSLP, and she is on the podcast today to chat all about her experiences as a CF. Um, I'm super excited to have her on. I love having new grads. I love having CFs. I like mixing it up and being able to talk about like maybe more um, research and educational things, but then also just have some chats about people's personal experiences. So welcome to the podcast. Can you quickly, just a quick introduction, where you went to school, um, where you're from, and um, where you're at right now? Well, first off, thank you. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much, uh, Shannon, for having me. This is really exciting for me. I just kind of started my own platform on social media, on Instagram, connecting with the other SLPs. So my name is Becca and I am a CFY in Annapolis, Maryland, and I went to graduate school at Loyola University of Maryland here in Baltimore City, and I am about to be done in, say, like about two or three weeks, I'll be done with my CF, and I just can't even believe how fast the time goes. Everyone always said to me, it's going to go so fast, it's going to go so fast, and I'm like, okay, okay, but it really did. It really flew by. It always does, honestly, and yours was throughout COVID, which we can chat a bit about because that's unique. Just in case there's some Canadians listening who are grad students, because in Canada, we don't have the CF. Could you quickly share like what is a CF and who needs to do one? A CFY stands for your clinical fellowship year. And this is basically a time where you are graduated, you finished your program and you're still supervised for nine months, but you're doing intensive treatment for nine months, X amount of hours. And this is in order for you to be earning your CCCs. So right now my title is clinical fellow, speech language pathologist. And then when I complete my CF, that's when I earn my Cs. So I'll be CCC SLP here in the United States. We do nine months. Um, and for whatever reason, if you needed to make it longer, you can, as long as you're um, completing all the necessary hours, it can be completed over nine months or 12 months, but typically it's about nine. And then that contrasted with Canada, we do our master's program and then we write our national exam and we can start practicing right after that. So we just dive into practice here. That's awesome. It's so, it's really nice. And usually though, with that being said, since we don't have a CF, so important to get a job with mentorship because you're really just really thrown in there. I'm getting my hours. And as soon as I get enough hours, then I can get my CCC, like I can be certified in the States. So Canadians can do that too, with bypassing the CF with a number of hours, which is nice. That's, that's really nice. That I didn't know that. Yeah. Just in case, like, for some yeah. reason, you know, yeah, that's so, cool. so, um, I want to, there's a few like themes I want to go over and yeah. I'm missing these questions off of DMS I've gotten. Um, so basically your kind of highlights from your CF um, challenges, things that were challenging. And then I also want to go over, um, before we wrap it up, just pieces of advice you have for people. I think that's a big one. People really want advice. Like, what should I do? What should I not do? What should I expect? Do you want to start with like highlights or maybe some challenges that you found a little overwhelming, whatever Uh, that may look like? Let's start with highlights. Some highlights of my CF so far has just been, even though you are supervised, you're not supervised the way you are in grad school. It's not like they're watching every single one of your sessions. So highlights for me have just been able to like breathe and treat and do the things that I've wanted to do for the past two years that I was doing in grad school where things in grad school were very meticulous. Like you were planning 
this session with this activity for this objective. Whereas as a CF, I've learned and the highlight for me has really been able to just be flexible, go with the flow, let the kid take the lead and kind of work with what's around me. And that has led me to the most success, really. Um, some of the highlights also for me have been related to seeing those kids like aha moments. It's just so amazing to watch the light bulb turn on and be like, oh my goodness, like I can make the F sound or I can make the V sound. One very specific highlight for me was I had a kid who was replacing all his P's with K's and it was just the strangest like substitution I'd ever seen. And it was so consistent across all word positions. I'm like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? And like six months into therapy and his, his name has a P in it and it makes it that much more frustrating for him. And he finally got that P and that was like something so simple for me, but so rewarding to be able to see a kid be able to just say their name. I so relate to that feeling when you first start working. And I think this is important for CFs to hear too, because I know some like CFs, I don't know if everyone knows that there is more, there is substantially more freedom, even though you're not like- So much more freedom. It's yeah. such a big difference. Even if you're the most confident, comfortable person in the world, it feels so good the day that you can be in the therapy room without someone analyzing everything you're doing and really find your own groove. And it just, it doesn't even matter how outgoing, extroverted, confident, really, it makes a big difference finding it makes your own a groove. Difference. Yeah. And it has for me, like my supervisor was always really great. And she said, like, I'm not even going to supervise you guys. For the first like month, I'm going to let you like behind closed doors, do your thing, mess up. It's okay. And then I'll start supervising. Like after you've kind of like gotten your feet wet, which I loved. I really appreciated that. It took the pressure off, like starting my first job, starting a CF. Like I didn't, I assume like the first day, first session, she's going to be in there watching me, but that really wasn't, wasn't the case. And I had the freedom to kind of do as I please. And they trusted me, which was really cool to like feel trusted and feel respected with what I was doing to make those decisions. Yeah. Because like as a grad student, of course, we need to have supervision. It's our first, some of our first placements ever, of course. And it's still not a great feeling, obviously, but it is extremely important. However, as the years go on, you've had all those placements, you're done grad school. It is nice to know, like there is a light at the end of the tunnel for people going into their CF year you are going to be having so much more freedom. So what are some of the challenges that stood out to you? I know for me, my first year working, there's like specific challenges, of course, like with clients, but then some of the broader challenges I found was just self-doubt, being overwhelmed, thinking I needed to plan for so long for sessions. Like those are some things I've talked about on the podcast before. Anything that you found specifically challenging that other yeah. people might too, um, that they could relate to and know that if you're not alone, it's normal to feel this way. Absolutely. For me, something I found that's hard, working with parents is hard. And that was something that in grad school, you obviously you do that, um, but you always have your supervisor there. Your supervisor is always, it's like your mom or your big sis. They're always there to hover over you and kind of jump in when they feel you might be sliding it in maybe not the right way or whatever. But I've definitely felt that even with a, po a positive, awesome relationship with a parent or a really difficult, you know, maybe disconnected relationship with a parent, it's difficult either way 
and learning um I've really had to learn to myself and remind myself like you said self-doubt I am the professional and I am the expert in this even though I may be younger than them or I'm not a parent or things along that nature but I'm still there still needs to be an expectation that and I'm learning that that's sometimes hard to set that expectation and to really make yourself be assertive but be welcoming and be warm and attending to all these needs while also being realistic and functional. There's a lot of layers with parents. So I've found that working with parents sometimes can be tough, um, but you take it with a grain of salt and you, you all, everyone's on the same team. We all want what's best for that kid. It's just making sure we can communicate the right way about it. Yeah. I so relate to that. Sometimes it feels like in our profession, there's just so many different hats we need to be wearing because Therapy, you real therapy is so unique because it's not like an assessment one and done. You need to be good at forming relationships with people. So of course, when you're first starting out in your career, that is gonna be something for anyone listening who's going into their first year in their CF or they're going into their first year of work. That's just hard. There's just no way to get around that. And it takes time. And over time, it just, it'll slowly get easier and easier. You'll slowly have little aha moments. Like I've even had little, all of a sudden I'm like, wait, that worked so well. I should do that again next time. And it's like right. a year, a year out, you know, it's like, right, yeah. But the sometimes that's is, just how it happens. Yeah. And the good news is like, we get to work with so many different clients and there's always new clients. So you can always start fresh with a new strategy that you figured out with an, you know, or like, you can just tell the parent that you want to try something different the next time. I love how you said we're all on the same team. That's so important. We're all on the same team. Parents are so dedicated to their children's progress. And it's really pretty amazing that we even get the opportunity to be able to work with like little ones because we obviously all like kids. But at the same time, we get that refreshing aspect of working with adults too, which yeah. you kind of alluded to, like the challenges with that. Um, challenges. Yeah, I I feel like it's another thing I'm thinking now is like, that's such a good thing for you to bring up because people be, need to be aware of that challenges are not necessarily always going to be with the child. Yeah. It, and that's what I've learned is that like the therapy itself, like I got that we're doing it, we're having fun, but there's a lot of the scheduling, the follow-up, the educational piece with parents. Like I'm continuously and constantly as we all should be just educating parents. And I feel like that is such a huge part of it too is like that's a whole nother section of like or a whole nother part of our job is you just spent 30 minutes or x amount of time educating the child and now we need to educate the parent on like this is what we did this is what we should do or so on and so forth and there's lots of room for communicative breakdown for all that stuff so it you know some challenges come up but um you kind of just got to work one one situation at a time. Okay, so let's jump into pieces of, pieces of advice for new grads and CFs specifically, right. because CF is a very, I think it's different than being a new grad in like Canada. Yeah, totally. you know. So, what are some pieces of advice that you think would be helpful for someone who's feeling a little apprehensive? They're obviously listening to this podcast because they're they're wanting some guidance or maybe some support or just maybe they just don't even know where to start. So yeah, what are your pieces of advice um, for people going into their CF year? Yeah, um, well, first, 
one of the best pieces of advice that I keep getting reminded is that like, you know more than you think you do. We um, spend so much time educating ourselves and studying and taking tests and going to clinical practicum and stuff. We know so much information and there's so much that we've learned that we just need to be a little bit more confident with ourselves. And I've learned that the whole fake, you know, and we all say it, fake it till you make it, right? Um, but it really does, um, it really does benefit you when you can remind yourself like, hey, I got this. I know I know how to work with a three-year-old or I know how to work with someone with articulation deficits or I know how to work with someone with um, autism spectrum disorder being confident and believing in yourself and knowing that you do know more than you think you do has been one piece of advice. And another piece of advice that I've learned is that like, get to know your kids before you start like planning all these like extroverted, crazy, fun, elaborate plans in therapy, because it's going to be so hard to do those, make those gains without a trusting relationship. I've, I've noticed even in myself, like I was too, too quick, jump the gun. I'm like, all right, let's, let's start our case. When like, we weren't there yet. We were still like at that phase where the client had to trust me. They weren't great with, or not great. They weren't um, open to me, like putting a tactile cue with them or maybe um, getting sitting too close or so I would you just have to really learn that trusting relationship and build that rapport I've learned that you aren't going to go anywhere without rapport um and that's a huge piece of advice because I think in grad school you see these kids for like 15 weeks 10 weeks at a time and then you're you're working so hard on just meeting that articulation goal that did you even build rapport with them, right? Or do they even, do you know their favorite this or their favorite that? And it just goes such a long way when you do because they're like, oh, she's listening to me. Like she she knows what I like. Um, so I would definitely say focus on building rapport. And if you can't do anything else in a session, do that. Um, just keep, keep on trying to engage, do anything you can to, to let them um, trust you because it's going to benefit you in the long run. Building rapport. It's something people say, like, build rapport. We learned in grad school, make sure you build rapport. But you got to do it. You got to do it. And I know some, everyone does it differently. Like I know some clinicians will like every three weeks they do one session. There's no goals targeted, just building rapport. Or maybe other SLPs will never do a standardized test the first couple times they meet a child because they're just focusing on building rapport or, and, and communicate this to the parents. So I rarely do standardized tests the first couple of times I meet a child. So my testing for maybe like an autism assessment will take longer because I'm not even going to do that the first couple of times. Cause it's like, no, we're going to do informal play-based, like almost like trial therapy in a sense, right. because if you don't build rapport with a child, you really are not going to be moving forward with your goals. And on top of goals, that little kid is going to be coming to see you every week for who knows how long. And it needs to be enjoyable. They're little kids. Like at the yeah. end of the day, they, they're, they're little children. They need to be having fun. They need and to if, be motivated. Yeah. And if you're not having fun, they're definitely not having fun. 
No. So building rapport is so key and building rapport with both the client and the parents. So I love that. If in doubt, just focus on building rapport. It's yeah. so important. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have to wrap up because you are working today and everyone oh, yeah. should be very thankful that Becca just put aside some time in her day to fit this podcast in. She's a busy SLP and has a session immediately after our recording. So thank you so much for taking the time to come on Absolutely. here. Tell everyone where they can follow you on your SLP Instagram. Yes. Um, you guys can follow me at Blabber with Beck. So it's B-L-A-B-B-E-R. W-I-T-H-B-E-C, um, Blabber with Beck and follow me on Instagram. I'd love to get to know you guys more. Shannon, I can't thank you enough for like the opportunity to just come on here and chat with you. I like a little bit like fangirling because I just love you and think you're awesome and your account is great. Um, and so it's really cool to just be able to talk to you like as a person, as a fellow clinician. Um, it's been a pleasure. Oh, that makes me so happy. I'm, I, I feel like I'm kind of a mess today. Cause I, I ran, I literally ran into this podcast right after a run. I look pretty haggard. But... You look beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really love connecting with SLPs and it's just been so nice to have you on the podcast. Thanks so much. Okay. I'll see everyone next Monday.